Hello, all you CPT players out there. For episode number 11, we've got a special treat for you. If you haven't read the description already before pushing play, I just want to let you know that this isn't one of our normal episodes where we just dive into one topic. This is actually the first thing that Jeremiah and I ever recorded. We're talking back late spring, and we had just gotten all of our equipment. The lovely curtains had just arrived, and we decided just to do an episode where we talk about ourselves and how we came to start the Conspiracy Playtime podcast. It's a lot of us finding our groove. I still didn't know how to use a microphone. Pardon me for that. I tried to clean it up in the editing as much as possible. Jeremiah kept his headphones on and we were still using iMovie. So if you think that he resembles the cadence of Juliette Lewis, that is why. For the first hour or so of the show, we'll be talking about ourselves and then we will talk about conspiracy theories versus conspiracies and just kind of some history into that then we kind of finish out with a list of 11 random questions that jeremiah and i go through to those of you who are just interested in the meat you don't care so much about what we're putting into the gravy you might want to skip this episode but if not hang out with us Listen to some groovy tunes. 11 is a special number. So, we hope you enjoy this. Thanks for listening and for watching. And we love you. Welcome to Conspiracy Playtime Podcast. Some people actually believe that the world is run by shape-shifting alien reptiles. No fucking way. I think just the whole podcast is rated R. Will, will there be pity? What the fuck is a conspiracy theory? When two separate events occur simultaneously pertaining to the same object of inquiry, you must always pay strict attention. The only Jewish conspiracy there is is that I'm circumcised. This guy from the CIA and he's creeping around Laurel Canyon. So anyone at any given time could be infected, don't even know it and feel perfectly well. That's really the nature of science. Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. We need to get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Fixing that testing regime, we need to have that in place before we move to that next phase. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I strongly believe that. I do as well. And 
all out of bubble. The FBI killed Martin Luther King. And it's fucking making sense to me now. How many vaccines have you had? Have you been a good little Nazi? Hey, Fauci! Hey, Fauci! If our own government was responsible for the deaths of almost 100,000 people, would you really want to know? Uh, yeah. Roll up your sleeves, take your shot, wear your mask, and please stay safe out there. Cheers to the beginning <laughs> of the end. This episode is sponsored by Ace Cider. Hopefully someday, right? I don't know. They're a little big. So how do we want to start this thing? This is the Conspiracy Playtime. The podcast where we play with ideas that might get you and I canceled. Did you write that? Um, I think I'd kind of thought about it before. It's beautiful. I think that's what's on the website. Conspiracyplaytime.com for all the show notes and links to our recommended books movies podcasts to further go down the rabbit hole and also jeremiah's only fans <laughs> you and i met what like five years ago maybe i guess about that we're in 2021 was... yeah because i think the trump clinton election oh, is going on yeah like when you started working with me I think you and I have definitely both gone through some changes since then. Uh, mainly, I don't know. I've never been political. Yeah. I don't think you, I'm not going to speak for you, but you don't seem like a political guy. No, I, I definitely, yeah, in high school, I had a moment where I thought, you know, Obama's marketing was really good. Uh, his marketing? Yeah, okay. so it's like, you know, change and all of his propaganda. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I wasn't old enough to vote, but then I'm, shortly after that, I went down the rabbit hole of 9-11 and all sorts of government secrecy and there's not really a choice and i've never voted personally for a president but if i was gonna didn't you vote uh third party just recently oh, i thought i had you convinced <laughs> i vote libertarian just for the middle finger to both parties they've also got probably most aligned with my beliefs, you know, small government. Just the, the right to exist without interference from, you know, people in offices across the country that we'll never meet. Don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. Who are getting paid quadruple times what the average American is making. 
But do they really make that much? It's like $275,000 a year or something like that. That's we not including all the other options and doors that open. Right. All these speeches that they make behind closed doors. Uh, Clinton and Obama are both great examples of that. You never really hear those speeches unless they miraculously are leaked out somehow. I think Obama's like a multimillionaire now. It's not quite like what our founding fathers saw as far as you would go into office to do public service. You know, you worked on the farm and then you were getting close to retirement and you wanted to serve your country or your state or your local community and go run for office and not make a whole lot of money. I don't think they should make anything really, but... And no, it should not be a career where you come out of college and follow the path of the political science major to become leveling up in politics and that's all you do and then you get a whole bunch of stock options and know when the market's going to crash and pull out at the top before everybody that you serve gets the chance to react but we're kind of getting off a tangent here well <laughs> politics definitely is going to play a big part in a lot of these episodes so yep a tangent worthwhile maybe but yep. yeah we could switch up do you want to go first and talk about you know a little bit about you and your life and how you got to be a dirty conspiracy theorist where to begin born in the ashland oregon that's uh you're already starting in a little bit of a odd place in the united states uh although it's become quite different than when i was growing up uh quite the hippie town uh alternative ideas were pretty strong uh i mean if you google my name you actually see an article that was written when i was in freshman or sophomore and i was using this thing called the vibe machine and that sounds like it could mean all sorts of things yeah uh not like that though uh it was this like electronic copper wire it looked like something tesla would make uh <laughs> tesla the man the man the yes okay nikola tesla and you'd flip the switch and there was all these tubes and copper wire and it emitted this kind of drone sound. You basically just sat there and meditated or <laughs> listened to the sound. And the idea was that it would create like healing frequencies in the surrounding area so you'd sit around it in a circle with some other people i felt good doing it so i kept doing it my mom introduced me to it um that place is no longer open unfortunately my mom had a bookshelf full of different new age books uh while i was in high school i was reading books about past life regression and getting uh, comfortable with death and was trying to meditate 
love my crystals. Uh, what? You're a crystal guy? Oh yeah. So I the best one is I had this little blue crystal that was like yay long, like three inches, three and a half inches long, and it was supposed to be good for memory. The hilarious part is I would always lose this one. <laughs> <laughs> is this before you partook in the the uh, illegal substances? Oh no, I was smoking weed. Uh, I started smoking like halfway through freshman year, and I'm sure that definitely opened up my mind to the possibility of something beyond what we can see. Um, and then, you know, slowly experimenting with other things in high school and partying way too much. But I always, I was still a fan of my crystals and I still have one like quartz crystal that I still have. I don't have it on me. Uh, I used to carry that thing everywhere. It was heavier than my phone and would just always be in my pocket. I used to be all about the salt crystals to like, I would set my crystal on the salt rock with the lamp on, you know? So the idea is that throughout the days that you're using your crystal, you're actually discharging the negative energy from your body into the crystal. And so setting it on the salt rock was supposed to release negative ions and kind of empty that crystal. I was pretty interested and into Reiki and like body healing. I was in a car accident like sophomore year and I don't know, I think that had something to do with my quote unquote awakening. Just having the kind of near-death experience where I was with my sister and we were going through an intersection. It was a green light for us. And as we were going through the intersection, we both saw out of the corner of our eye a car that was going pretty fast, clearly not stopping for the stoplight. We both had the same thought at the same time of oh shit it should have hit us by now and like a fraction of a fraction after that thought crossed our minds it was like boom car hit the back bumper behind the rear wheel spun us sideways twirled around the car's upside down fully upside down it looked like we just did a nosedive if you just came across it. I kind of came to a little bit faster than my sister. It was all just such a, a crazy experience. That car was going any faster or we were going in any slower. I would probably not be yeah. here or in this capacity. We had to go through physical therapy and had whiplash and spine was all screwed up and uh, I had a lot of time to read books, research on the internet, pretty much ruined my summer. I had big plans for making all that money, working at the pool. That kind of all went out the window. All of that kind of led down the path of 
I don't know, natural alternative healing and the chiropractor I went to was a little bit hippie and he told me about his experiences meditating and, you know, uh, having out-of-body experiences and then I got my aura read. So somebody came who can see auras around people. She can see your chakras and the like space around you. Most people's auras extend like eight feet from them totally. Like you almost have like a dome around you or like a circle around you that goes into the earth. Some people's is smaller though or bigger? Uh, yeah, depending on kind of the trauma they've had or... Uh, so would trauma shrink your aura? Or yeah. Uh, and then the people who are like super loving and you know some people walk in a room and they can totally change the vibration woo woo feeling this is gonna yeah politics and woo are both gonna be in here I mean, yeah i'm all about that woo man woo! Woo! uh you know that's when i found out i'm an indigo child and uh, he does wear deodorant in case you're wondering sometimes if I'm going in public. This is public, right? Yeah. I did put deodorant on it today, just to keep Ashley happy. <laughs> Should also mention that Jeremiah is a hardcore proponent of the carnivore diet. Uh, yeah, for playing opposite land. Yeah. When I met you, I think you had been doing the vegan diet for under a year. So I didn't know, you know, a lot of people would dabble. Yeah. And then reconnecting years later, and you're probably even more militant about it, like probably eat more raw than you were. Um, not necessarily right now. It kind of comes and goes in waves. Uh, you know, summertime comes and I'm always like, give me that fresh fruit. What's interesting is in high school, I was really into almond milk. And I thought, how much more sense does this make? to drink almond milk and not cow's milk because I'm not a calf. <laughs> uh, I also, my body did not agree with whey protein. So there was a time where I was, you know, in high school trying to get swole and uh, I've got that build where I can just work out for a bit and suddenly it's like overnight, the muscle shows really quickly. Uh, but I was taking some like hippie uh, plant-based protein powder at the time. It was really into that. I liked how I felt after that. But I was still eating meat and cheese. Ironically, at the time when I started taking a bunch of brain supplements, I went down the rabbit hole of plant-based athletes. And that kind of shattered another built-in societal mindset where you have to eat meat in order to be strong or ride your bike far. And so I was like, well, fuck it. I'm gonna try to eat plants. <laughs> and I felt really good. I'm not a good person to just try something because I can't half-ass something. If I do, I'll immediately be right back to eating cheese and meat and all that yeah. bad shit. Yeah, crap cheese. I, I and... mean, 
I remember I ran into you drunk one time, and I was eating pizza. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and you offered me a slice, and I was like, it looks good. I do think that if you would have said yes, I would have not given it to you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Eating really clean, uh, in my terminology anyways, I feel like has opened my body and mind. And when I first went vegan, I was pretty close to raw, not fully, ran into this strange character. He came to our yard sale in Portland when we were getting ready to move. And this guy was out there. He just asked, are you vegan? It's like he could sense. He could like, smell it on you. Something. I mean, maybe he didn't smell the flesh and uh, I don't know, it was weird. I mean, my BO has definitely changed since eating vegan. And he just kind of dropped some ideas. Eventually, a couple years later, I ate all fruit. We were fully raw for like two months. And for like a month of that, I ate just fruit. And man, I felt like the body became less important. Uh, it's like the my soul or my energy was able to transmute my body and I could read people's thoughts like crazy. <laughs> I was vibrating. I was on a level. Uh, unfortunately, doing my bike race kind of set me back a bit just because I was eating whatever I could and then recovering just kind of set me off a little bit. I mean, even still, I eat quite a bit of processed vegan food. You know, it's nothing crazy. It's not like I have Oreos every day. You know, once a quarter, maybe I'll have some Oreos. Once a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Jeremiah did a, how many miles was it? Like a thousand? 1,003. Portland to Ben to Burns to Steens over to Lakeview, Oregon, which is the mile high town in Oregon. Tallest town in Oregon, yeah. Yep. And then over to Crater Lake and then back up like what? Cottage Grove, Eugene, back up to Portland. And that was quite the experience to see what the hell this body's capable of. Experiencing that edge and playing where you can keep going even though your whole mind is like, fuck this, dude. What are you doing? Uh, but they're just being like, nope, we're still saddling on. Like, keep going. At the end of the ride, I was like, I could have done this faster. <laughs> I still had more in the tank. Like, how much was I holding back? So what's this line that you cross when you've gone too far? Is it death? Or just straight up like collapse. Like how how far could too far be? I think it's a long ways away. Further away than most of us would ever push. Oh fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, I think David Goggins has the idea. Bitch, you don't fucking know me. 
most people get to a certain limit and they're like, oh, I can't do any more. And that's only like 40% of your potential. Your body is capable of so much more than we're willing to put it through, especially nowadays, because we're got all these creature comforts. You know, we're not really acclimated or used to pushing ourselves, but the human body is made to endure. It's like the default for this thing to get through, pass on genetics and, you know, keep breeding. And we've gotten to the point where we just have our freaking binkies in and we're a bunch of softies. But if you can play that edge, you can realize that we're capable of so much more. And it also kind of stripped down my emotional wall. And so there'd be like points where I was just a roller coaster of emotions and, you know, things I've never felt before because I never really allowed them in. Uh, And I really got to see every thought and how much energy each single thought took. Because when you're that exhausted and, you know, sleep deprived, carb deprived, uh, probably hydration deprived, heat exhaustion, you can feel just how much one single thread of a thought takes for your body to process it's exhausting when you're at that point and you're having to think about okay where am i going to go get food uh where am i going to sleep tonight and at a certain point you just have to shut all that off and be like no dude i'm just riding the bike nothing else fucking matters at all right now just ride the damn bike because otherwise you're wasting your energy and coming back to the real world was quite the adjustment period because there's so much going on uh for about a week or two i was kind of like a ghost getting acclimated to this modern world of everything going on and oh yeah i need to go to work and at work there's like a million things going on it was just quite the experience to play that edge of this human body that we have here when you think you've had a hard day or you didn't sleep well the night before and you're waking up tired that it's like it's nothing compared to what is possible what's this all really about um yeah which i'm excited to explore and play with what's your story man what's led you to this point first of all my name is colby and i think you've said your name a few times maybe um i i guess my story kind of starts off pretty early in my life first of all i've got one of the most open-minded mothers out there and when i was a little kid i saw a ghost i must have been like two my mom in the other room she would notice like oh he says something and then he pauses and it's like he's actually talking to somebody you know little kids just constantly are 
just babbling. Yeah, say whatever the fuck just comes to their mind, especially when they're learning to talk. But she noticed it was actually a conversation. Not only did she look into it and believe me, she told me about it later in life. I guess this was around the time my parents got divorced. My dad also thought it was a real ghost. And my mom, my grandma, her mom, knew the guy that used to live in that house. And the way I described him, she was convinced that I was seeing the ghost of the guy that died in that house. When I wonder about the existence of life after death, just that experience in itself really plays pretty heavy on my mind. Like, what the fuck is a ghost? Right. Do we all have a soul? And sometimes it gets trapped here for whatever reason. Is it just a leftover, like, resonance? Like a mirage or like... Yeah, it might not even be somebody that's really there. Like, it could just be... Their vibration is almost like left an impression on the ether. I've never been an atheist. Uh, I even kind of tried to be a Christian there for a while when I was like nine, ten. Hmm. My cousin scared the hell into me. <laughs> Literally, I was terrified of like if the Christian mythology is true and you do anything to piss off Sky Daddy, that could be it for you. So I kind of struggled with that for a few years. And even like into high school when I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this organized religion, Christianity, it's kind of bullshit. But why not just believe in case? Right. And that is kind of something that's easy to fall into because, you know, it's kind of like putting on your seatbelt. Right. Just in case. (laughs) I would say I was probably into my 20s when I took off that seatbelt and just said the first time I ate mushrooms I was 22 years old and I'd been smoking weed for about three years but it really brought this sense that I had when I was a kid like almost that we're God having a dream Mm. and that we'll probably just wake up someday and laugh our asses off that we took it so seriously There was the the ghost experience, which I have, I don't know if I made it clear, I have no memory of it whatsoever. I just remember being told about it when I was probably a few years older than two. I was just always really an anxious kid. Uh, Hmm. I did not sleep for shit. Oh, really? For, I bet you I averaged, and still to this day, unless I really tie one on at night, three or four hours of sleep is probably enough for me to function on. I don't know what kind of damage I'm doing to my brain. As a kid, I would just lay in bed. Like, I have memories from five, six years old where it'd be like, well, you know, everybody dies. My mom and my dad and my stepdad and everybody I love, they're going to die before I do. Just shit like that, you know, stuff you shouldn't be thinking about when you're a little kid. Yeah. And I know I woke my mom on several occasions just scared of whatever, uh, nuclear war. That was big. When I saw Terminator 2, 
when it first came out. I would have been like eight or nine years old. And Yikes. That fucking young for that. Yeah, my actually, uh, my dad let me watch it when I was visiting him, and uh, that caused quite a fight. Oh, jeez. I bet. I, and I don't know why. I was a little bitch and told my mom that I watched <laughs> it, even though I knew she wouldn't be happy by it. And that scene, uh, have you seen it? Been a long time. Like Sarah Connor's gripping the chain link fence and the fucking loop and the mushroom cloud goes oh. off and it just for '92 the the graphics were pretty intense and it just yeah. basically melt her face off. Yeah, and I do remember that. Then, you know, you find out that's a real technology. Right. Supposedly. Find about Hiroshima. And... Yeah. Luckily, I was, you know, just after the Cold War mm. had kind of ended. Otherwise, you would have been a Yeah. If I was a little kid in the days of JFK or even Ronald Reagan, where we were apparently somebody pushing a button away from the... You know, mutually assured destruction of the species, basically. There wasn't much going on from the end of the Cold War to 9-11 for us to be scared of. No wars, really. I mean, we occupied a few countries in the Middle East, but aside yeah. from that, you know, it was a pretty tranquil time for us. When I did sleep, I, I've had some weird shit, like out-of-body experiences, like just going down almost into like a DMT-type tunnel. Mm kind of interested in like lucid dreaming and oh yeah what is dreaming other than like being physically worn out there's a reason that we need to sleep it's one thing to sleep and have your body you know regenerate and get rid of dead cells and create new cells and rest but why why do we have to have such crazy dreams you know is it just organizing things in the brain or is it something deeper than that well have you ever had a dream where you saw something then it happened in real life later yeah i think i remember oh yeah so jeremiah went through a fire he uh, had his oh, fuck, rv about that. about that dream you had i forgot about the dream yeah i mean i'm sure we'll do a whole episode about maybe even more than one about that kind of stuff but basically i'll let you tell the story honestly i feel like i kind of tried to forget it there was a night where we had smelled smoke um couldn't really pinpoint where it was and I can't remember if it was that night or the next night but I had a dream that we had to evacuate and leave our RV literally the next fucking day the fire starts in Ashland and we gotta grab all our shit and get out um, you know, that was kind of a, a hard knock lesson to pay the fuck attention <laughs> to your dreams. Because, I mean, it's not the first time where I've had a dream and then it comes true. When I believe it's true, am I bringing that 
into my reality because like choose even choosing that path right there's probably multiple paths you could go down but yeah acknowledging your dreams as possibly real i mean a lot of people think that people who said donald trump was going to become president it's their fault that he did right i am going to be the greatest president that god ever created remember that yeah, I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole of do we, our collective consciousness, does that influence the world we live in? Maybe that's a whole episode. Oh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dreams can be crazy. And especially when you're a kid, they can seem very realistic and be hard to discern reality from dream world uh, sometimes I even wonder if some of the memories I have as a child are totally dreams or fabrications um, I can imagine with your sleeplessness you probably have quite a bit of that I would say so it's hard sometimes, especially you were, you were talking about sleep deprivation earlier. And as a fellow who likes to drink, I oftentimes wonder, like, was that a dream? Did I black out and that's a memory? But yeah, there's memories in there, even in my adult life, where it's like, yeah, is that something that really happened? Is that something I imagined? But it's hard to say. Um, was it just a glitch in the matrix? It could be a glitch. I went to college in Arizona, mainly to study film. And you poor sucker. Yeah. Right before everything went digital, of course. This is uh, like 2003-ish. 2003 to 2005. About a year and a half period where I was studying how to make analog movies. I didn't really do many drugs until I was 19. I drank maybe like three times in high school, smoked pot like once, twice. But I really got into smoking weed and I just kind of branched out and took some other classes. I took some philosophy, uh, dabbled in a little bit of psychology and uh, I set in on some journalism classes. There was one class where we had to make a commercial. Oh. And so the psychology that goes into that for sure is quite worth a look i'm sure most of our listeners will be familiar with edward bernays and he is the nephew of sigmund freud and this is the guy basically wrote the handbook around world war one for propaganda and the use of propaganda against your own citizens which was made illegal until barack obama the country being able to propagandize their own citizens was supposedly illegal right from which even if it's illegal if you're doing it in a fictional way is that some gray ambiguity oh we're gonna get into predictive programming for sure yeah. and this actually ties back to bernays being the nephew of sigmund freud his nephew is you know this right i'm trying He's to the remember. netflix guy Oh, that's right. So, I mean, if you want to look at, like, probably the biggest 
conveyor of uh, like modern propaganda. You need no look no further than Netflix, really. There's a lot of good shit on there, and I mean, it's the best deal in town. Cool. Yeah. But they also have kind of engaged in, uh, I don't know, shall we call it wokeism? Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, college kind of opened up my mind and, you know. Wait, so you're telling me college was actually good for you? Oh, for sure. The experience, you know, just getting out there. And it was, it was actually, I say I was studying film. It was a, a community college that was basically broke down into the film department and the nursing school. Oh. And then there was just a bunch of other fuckers taking their prereqs to go to a university or whatever. But sure. their film program was outstanding. And I did go to L.A. briefly after I graduated high school and tried to get into a film school there, and that didn't end up working out. But I can imagine that was a tough crowd. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, once you go to... LA and Hollywood in particular, you know, we're led to believe it's this magical place, but it's actually quite gross. Uh, I have, you know, a lot of friends that live down there, but not for me. So yeah, college did help. And then, you know, I met a lot of people. Uh, I had books passed on to me by friends that definitely got me on the path I'm on now. After that, I kind of bounced around a little bit and I ended up moving to Eugene, Oregon, and I became a newspaper delivery boy. You see and some weird people that this time This is of night. 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. every day. I kind of went down the rabbit hole there. Uh, I met some people who, uh, kind of like what you were describing yourself, kind of like they were new agey and kind of like in the woo-woo crowd, but I, I met a kid. He was probably just a few years younger than me. And he believed in everything. I mean, he was like Eddie Bravo. He showed me some documentaries, and, you know, I knew who Alex Jones was. And one of the coolest things about that uh, newspaper job was I found this AM radio station where Coast to Coast AM used to be Art Bell. It was George Norrie by the time I was listening to it. And I ha it broke my brain. I haven't been the same since. There is something about that time of night, time of day, because uh, I delivered newspapers also for a small stint of time, and there's something about it that just allows you to step outside the normal society, and you almost kind of feel like you're looking at the world from a different perspective while everybody else is asleep. You're running around town, and you're just feeding your brain with something different than what everybody else during the, you know, eight o'clock to nine o'clock traffic out were listening to the propaganda uh, being spewed there. Definitely, and that's like the time I was going to bed. Like yeah, I'd get home around six, maybe eat a little bit, and then crash, wake up around noon. It was a uh, it was an interesting time for sure. I would say in my late 20s I kind of stepped away from the conspiracy game just because it can be exhausting exhausting for sure uh, if you look at it through the wrong lens a little bit depressing I said enough's enough I moved I moved to Ashland and I kind of just stepped back what's the saying you know ignorance is bliss oh yeah but, and I, I actually it's your fault that I got back into it because I had never 
listen to a podcast, mm. with the exception of uh, I downloaded like the entire entire library of uh, Radio Lab. They did do the podcast format later on, but yeah, it was just basically a, a radio show, right? Yeah, and yeah, that there's some good shit on there too. Yeah, if, uh, and if anybody hasn't heard Radio Lab, I mean, their early years, I mean, they were talking about something I'm going to bring up here in a few minutes, actually. You started working with me, and I think you were listening to some health-related podcasts, and I think that you put on... uh, This is back when Joe Rogan was just starting to blow up. Yeah, he was still, what, in the 500s, if even that? Yeah, I think that I started listening when he was like around 600-something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is he now? I think he just did episode one six six six, and he had on uh, Duncan Trussell. Oh, okay. So you converted me, and I've been a podcast junkie ever since. And you're not the first to say that. Yeah. And I mean, this is probably where we should stand up. Oh yeah. I definitely. It was Tinfoil Hat podcast with Sam Tripoli that got me back into it, and. It all started with you and then Joe Rogan and then Ari Shafir had on Sam Tripoli on his podcast. And I started listening to it. And then I probably subscribed to 10 to 15 more uh, conspiracy podcasts. That's probably a good time to talk about how we came to be doing this. You, I think, texted me. In the middle of March of 2020. Yep. And I hadn't talked to you in probably a year or so. I said, hey, everybody's quitting at work. Yeah, I had sent you. It was Duncan Trussell. You, was you, that you what were, it was? Yeah, you texted me and said, hey, did you see the most recent Duncan Trussell on, on Rogan? And yeah. I had listened to about half of it. And so that was how we started talking again, ironically enough. And uh, And that was one of those serendipitous moments where suddenly there was a job opening there. The whole world was very uncertain. Uh, I was trying to make it on my own doing web design. And suddenly the prospects that I had dried up and... uh, it was kind of questionable what was going to happen, but I knew people would need soap. Right? We make soap. (laughs) So, you know, it was kind of like, well, might as well take the job and go be able to talk with Colby and not go totally insane. Uh, And then we basically made each other insane. (laughs) Or sane. (laughs) by uh you know being able to discuss ideas and current events past events we would have conversations and then you or i would listen to a podcast a couple days later and it was like the exact same conversation we were having so it was like well fuck it let's start our own cut out the middleman yeah well, I mean, I think that many of the conversations we had through March of 2020 all the way until just recently will probably just be some variation of episodes we're going to record at some point. You got my brain cooking and you said, hey, Jeff Rince, if, if you out there don't know about Jeff Rince, I mean, this guy's he's he's 
not a small deal in the conspiracy crowd. He, I think him and Alex Jones sued each other at one point for talking shit. And go to rinse.com, R-E-N-S-E.com. If you've never heard of this guy, just go check it out. Uh, highly recommend at least knowing who this guy is. Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. I did some work for him. I gave him rides to the airport. It was right when I moved to Ashland the first time. This is when I was kind of like still in it. He has a radio show. He was selling his website, and Jeremiah says, why don't we just do this? And then you tried to reach out to him, and yeah. I don't think he ever got back to you. And What was interesting is I found his website for sale Feb- early February. I sent him a message, told him, hey, you know, born and raised in Ashland, always kind of have an open mind, and he was... In the posting, he was kind of, you know, uh, discreet as to what it was, but said it was a news site. I think it said alternative news. You know, he gets millions of visitors a year, and uh, we chatted on the phone for a minute. It was thanks to me visiting his website after talking to him that I saw, hey, there's this sickness going on in China. And it kind of sparked my curiosity. And yeah, because February was kind of like still people were going, oh, it's not going to come here. Yeah. Lord Fauci himself even said that. Yeah, we don't need to worry about this thing. Yeah. And uh, they were pretty early on the horn as far as this thing exploding like it did at the time i mean i didn't have the capital to buy this business i can't remember how much he was asking some ludicrous i think it was a half a million or 200 i wanted to say 50 grand but maybe it was half a mil it was quite quite a bit part of me was like well first of all his website is super outdated uh and there could be some things there to just help streamline things and uh but then it was like well why don't we just make our own and you know cover the topics that interest us and put our you know take on it in a non-serious way but you know somewhat serious but not like die hard um, evangelical position Um, I don't think either of us are really super tied to our beliefs or... No, that's why we're going to play around with them, you know? Exactly. And Jeff Rince, if you're listening, uh, you fucked up, man. Should have gotten back to Jeremiah. I did try to reach out again, though I'm sure the past year he... Maybe he found his fire again and didn't want to you know give up because i certainly started to feel uh, a duty and obligation to like fuck colby we gotta get this thing going like i feel like it's our public service and (laughs) with everything that's gone on in the past year people need to know the history of conspiracies and 
what has happened in the past and wake the fuck up. It's a great segue. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked enough about ourselves for now. Uh, yeah, we're already at a, almost an hour here. I figure if we just go over these topics and we stop before like an hour and a half is up. Yeah. I don't know. You can always pause this and come back later. It's true. And we're going to, I don't know what, try to keep our episodes mostly floating around an hour. Maybe some of the more intense ones will go closer to two, but we don't want to be like those conspiracy guys from uh, Ireland. I mean, they crank out five or six hour long episodes. Wow. I mean, they're great to listen to. We're going to try to break those up into parts. I I think it's more than... Yeah, I, I love it. It's one of my favorites, but... I mean, I don't know if a lot of people are going to listen to me and you talk for five or six hours at a time. I know I wouldn't want to. Right. If you're out there, we love you. Hopefully we provide enough value, you know, where you feel like it's worth hanging out with us. And we hope to present ideas to you that kind of shift your thought perspective. The first idea being... What the fuck is a conspiracy theory? And where did that come from? I did some digging around and, you know, I'm not one to usually go right to Wikipedia, but when I searched, they, it popped up, you know, the opening section of conspiracy theory on Wikipedia. It gives a pretty hefty explanation about what a conspiracy theory is. And I want all of us to decide what kind of angle they're going for here. A conspiracy theory is an explanation for an event or situation that invokes a conspiracy by sinister and powerful groups, often political in motivation, when other explanations are more probable. So right off the bat, within their definition, they give it a negative connotation. Uh, Mainstream news outlets will deliver conspiracy theories based on this definition. I mean, I'm sure we can all think of examples. Most recently, uh, Russiagate was one where any outlet, I think Fox might be the only exception, was pushing this conspiracy theory for the better part of five years. After they themselves propped up Trump during the primaries, they had to blame an outside force. We are the victims of a bloodless coup. The nation and all of our freedoms hang by a thread. And the military apparatus of this country is about to be handed over to scum who are beholden to scum. Russian scum. Other explanations were more probable. Right. So it goes on and it says it implies that the appeal to conspiracy is based on prejudice or insufficient evidence. A conspiracy theory is not simply about a conspiracy. Instead, it refers to a hypothesized conspiracy with specific characteristics, such as an opposition to the mainstream consensus among those people who are qualified to evaluate its accuracy. And in parentheses, they have scientists or historians. They leave out the media. And it's kind of funny that scientists and historians are included there because... Science is all hypothesis. Not the science with the capital S, though. Oh, well. It's the new religion. How many textbooks can you pick up and read a different version 
Not to mention, the people who write the history are the victors. You don't ever hear the losing side and how much history is lost or mistranslated. Scientists can be bought, historians can be bought or uh, persuaded by their own beliefs to change the outcome. Continue on. Precisely. It is the prevailing theory among a lot of scholars and people who look into these kind of things that the term conspiracy theory, although was around in the early 1900s and used every once in a while, it really became big in 1963. The CIA didn't exactly coin the term, but they brought it back and gave it a new connotation revolving around anybody who questioned the findings of the Warren report with the, the whole JFK assassination thing. Totally inconsistent with the shot from the depository. Again, back to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. That actually came out in 1976 through a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. It doesn't say a lot. All it says is conspiracy theories have frequently thrown suspicion on our organization. Again, this is the CIA. For example, by falsely alleging that Lee Harvey Oswald worked for us. And so right there, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You're given two choices. Did he only work for the CIA? Or did he act alone? Did you kill the president? No, I've not been charged with that. In fact, nobody has said that to me yet. Uh, the first thing I heard about it was when the newspaper reporters in the hall uh, asked me that question. This doesn't say any a number of other theories that were surrounding it, like, I mean, the, for example, the, the mob connections. Right. Uh, Fidel Castro also was implicated in wanting him dead. If you think that Lee Harvey Oswald worked for the CIA, you were a conspiracy theorist right off the bat. We're going to talk about five types of conspiracy theories that a man who worked for Reason Magazine, he's an editor there, in 2013 he wrote a book entitled The uh, United States of Paranoia. And in this book he comes up with five types. The first is called The Enemy Outside, and it refers to theories based on figures alleged to be scheming against a community from without. And there's the enemy within, finds conspirators lurking inside the nation, indistinguishable from ordinary citizens. And you think about, like, uh, we were talking about the Cold War earlier. Everybody thought that maybe their next-door neighbor, who they didn't know, may have been a Russian spy. They look like us. They speak better English than we do. They're not allowed to say a single word in Russian once they get here. If you make any noise, I will kill you. Bye. Bye. The enemy in above involves powerful people manipulating events for their own gain. And uh, I think you would be a fool to believe this never happens. I mean, people get caught acting this way all the time. The enemy below features the lower classes working to overturn the social order. This is just history. Yep. And the last one he talks about is the benevolent conspiracies are angelic forces that work behind the scenes to improve the world and help people. And if you think about QAnon, that's just kind of what they believed. Yeah. You know, there was an, a benevolent force at work, and for some reason they thought it was Donald Trump. All right, 
there's another author, and I think this is a little bit better. He talks about three types. His name is Michael Barkin. I believe that's how you pronounce that. He's a political science professor, and he had a book in 2003 called A Culture of Conspiracy. Event Conspiracy Theories. This refers to a limited and well-defined events. Examples may include such conspiracy theories as those concerning the Kennedy assassination, 9-11, and the spread of AIDS. Systematic conspiracy theories. The conspiracy is believed to have broad goals, usually conceived as securing control of a country, a region, or even the entire world. And I mean, Jesuits. Yes, Jesuits, NWO, we all know about this. What Alex Jones calls the globalist scum. Yeah. The goals are sweeping whilst the conspiratorial machinery is generally simple. A single evil organization implements a plan to infiltrate and subvert existing institutions. This is a common scenario in conspiracy theories, and this is big here. So this is basically when people say they are they with the creating this, they are uh, organizing order out of chaos, uh, or it's just painted with that broad stroke of they, or when they say the Nazis are doing it, or... Uh, it's the Jews. We're going to get to that. This is a common scenario in conspiracy theories that focus on the alleged machinations of Jews, Freemasons, communism, or the Catholic Church. I was going to say the Freemasons and yeah. also uh, that's what I was thinking about. And so the last one from Michael Barkin is super conspiracy theories, and this is one word. Super, super conspiracy is one word. Oh. So, for Barkin, such theories link multiple alleged conspiracies together hierarchically. This is like uh, intersectionality of conspiracy theories. His cited examples are the ideas of David Icke and Milton William Cooper, otherwise known as Bill Cooper. This is the man who on June, it was either June or July of 2001, on his radio show, he said that the Twin Towers were going to fall and that Osama bin Laden would be blamed for it. You see, the CIA created Osama bin Laden. They recruited him. They trained him. They found his leadership. They brought them all together. They showed him them how to fight the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. And when that was over, they still continued to fund him and train him, and they're now using him to help bring about world government by making him the big boogeyman because they can't use Saddam Hussein anymore. This man was shot down in his front yard. Uh, I think that's a whole episode oh, for sure. about Cooper and the history of him and everything leading up to that. Yes, this is the guy who was the prototype for figures such as Alex Jones. I mean... But I, they despised each other, right? Well, there was a an episode of Alex Jones. Well, it was a live broadcast, and it was on the New Year's Eve of 2000, the Y2K crisis. And if you listen to this show, you would think that the fucking world was ending. Oh, yeah. And Bill Cooper acknowledged that this was fear-mongering. This was not a guy who was honest and he was out there selling something. Think what you want about Alex Jones. I mean, I think we all have mixed feelings about him. But this was an allegation that was true and still is true. 
I do believe that Jeff Rince said Alex Jones had Bill Cooper killed, and that was the reason Alex Jones sued Jeff. Mm. A review of this Michael Barkin book by a political blogger by the name of Daniel Pipes. Some people believe in the lost continent of Atlantis and in unidentified flying objects. Others worry about an 18th century secret society called the Bavarian Illuminati or a mythical Zionist occupied government secretly running the United States. What if these disparate elements, shared beliefs, joined forces, won a much larger audience, broke out of their intellectual and political ghetto, and became capable of challenging the premises of public life in the United States? Once again, we are to be feared. Our ideas are dangerous. And I mean, this guy's a political science professor. He's selling to the public that people who believe in these things are dangerous. Probably why we're all being censored right now. One more thing I want to talk about as far as types of conspiracy theories. Uh, you know who Murray Rothbard is? I think he died in 95, but he was kind of the godfather of like anarcho-capitalism and the modern libertarian movement okay. to a certain degree. And he breaks it into two categories. A shallow theorist observes an event and asks who benefits jumping to, to the conclusion that a posited beneficiary is responsible for covertly influencing events. On the other hand, the deep theorist begins with a hunch and then seeks out evidence. And we all know people like this. I mean, right. I'm sure I'm guilty of it at times. I mean, it's hard not to be. Right. Our psychology wants to justify our initial gut feeling or to justify our our situation in life, you know, the haves and have-nots. Uh, it's kind of like blaming the, the rich or, you know, for you being poor. Uh, Boy, any Sanders! Yeah, and then you just find ways to justify that. Very true. I don't think it's uh, necessarily a bad approach to take as long as you are honest with what you find. Right. And I mean, if you prove like, your own theory wrong, you got to admit that to yourself. Yeah. It's I mean, just like science. You have to first theorize and then test and, you know, come to a conclusion whether that conclusion uh, justifies or shows that you were crazy for thinking that. And you have to be willing to accept that. And I think that's where it helps that there's two of us here where we can kind of push each other a little bit and question each other. Jeremiah is here to keep me in check. Likewise. I don't, I, I don't know if I will ever have to do that to you. You're a little bit more logical than me, I think. I'm a little more on the fantastical side. Sometimes. I mean, is the earth flat? We'll get to that later. I don't know. That's a great answer. It's a fundamental fact of calculus and non-Euclidean geometry. Small sections of large curved surfaces will always look flat to little creatures that crawl upon it. But this... I think the next thing to talk about is the difference between a conspiracy theory and a conspiracy that has been proven. And these are still labeled as conspiracy theories. So one that I think most people probably know about. Do you know who Prescott Bush was? I don't think so. so he is the father of George Herbert Walker Bush, the grandfather of George W. Bush. Mm. And he was a senator 
And he was one of seven directors of the New York Bank, the Union Bank. Oh. And this motherfucker, flat out, was funding the Nazis. It was part of the financial empire of the German Fritz Thyssen who actively financed the Nazis and comprehensively helped them come to power and then laundered their capital. Like, this isn't debated to this day, but you would think a man like that would end up in prison not having his lineage fucking spent 12 years in the White House. Yeah. So this is just the kind of shit that, you know, you can't deny. Another one that... Everyone should know about. We all know about the Unabomber. Theodore Kaczynski. I don't know. I assume his first name's Theodore. Ted Kaczynski. He, I believe he was 16 years old when he graduated high school. I mean, he was sharp. And he went to Harvard. And during his sophomore year, he underwent this. uh, It's called... God, I want to say it's like the Murray experience or experiment, but it was the precursor in a way to MK Ultra. And what they would do is, and this is where we're going to bring Radio Lab back. I looked into this after listening to a Radio Lab episode several years ago, where this professor he he would bring in these students. They were complicit in taking part in this experiment, but he would have them fill out questionnaires. And then he would use these questions against them. He would sit. I mean, there's pictures online you can find of Ted Kaczynski. It looks just like Clockwork Orange. And he's strapped to a chair. He's got, like, constraints around his head. And they psychologically broke him down, little by little, over three years. And look what happened to that guy. This is something that, when we are told the story of the Unabomber, is left out. Oh, for sure. This is something that definitely shaped who this guy became. He was against, basically, technology. And that was his motivation. The last one I want to talk about, this is great for people who think that your government would never hurt. They're here to help us. (laughs) They are. So, Operation Northwoods, you know about this? That sounds familiar. Uh, This is an outrageous fucking thing that they came up with. It was a military operation where they were going to attack people in Washington, D.C. and Miami. And I do believe that they, there was talks about a, a drone plane that was supposedly going to be full of American passengers, but it was going to be empty. What does this remind you of? Yeah. And it was 1962 that, this, that JFK acknowledged that he actually had this thing on his desk and it was you know from the higher up the influence of the uh, military intelligence complex and had jfk said yes we would have had a 9-11 type thing back in the early 60s luckily he had the wherewithal to believe that this was not a good idea and he shut it down so and that's why he was the greatest president I, I think that he was the worst president when he came onto the scene and then throughout like his experience with the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Bay of Pigs and all that shit probably became the president that, you know... Was we wish we had. Yeah, exactly. Those are just a few things. And uh, looks like we've got a little bit of time left. I figured this would be fun. I just 
randomly wrote down 11 questions. Okay. My favorite number. 11 is a good number. And Three's I'm... a little bit better, but three and 11 are both magical numbers. 311, baby. Yep. All right. So all I want you to do, and this is just going to give you and I maybe even, but our, our listeners, a better sense of who we are. Okay. So just say yes, no, or maybe. Is this some type of MK Ultra? Yes. Thing? <laughs> I'm going to use this to psychologically break you down over the duration of this podcast. Great. All right. And I'll answer them as well. Okay. But you're going first. All right. So, Jeremiah, are there Sasquatch walking around out in Nimdar Woods? I don't know. So that's a maybe? Yeah, that's a maybe. Can I expand? Please do. Uh, maybe in a, uh, a realm or in a, another dimension, um, I will acknowledge that there are some interesting experiences that people have had, and I won't discount those. Uh, and the woods are vast, so maybe. If people out there listening have ever been to the Pacific Northwest, I mean, you, there's most towns out here, you walk five miles in any direction and you're in the middle of the forest. The magnitude of it, if you get in an airplane and fly from Portland to Seattle. There's a lot of woods. You look down there. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, I've never, nobody's ever found a Bigfoot skeleton. Right. But, how often do you come up across a black bear skeleton? I mean, there's true many, many black bears, and I've never seen a dead one. No. I mean, I've seen a dead one that we had to pick up off the side of the road. Okay. Um, and then we just threw it into a pit where animals would come at night, and the next day, nothing would be there. Yeah, it doesn't take those scavengers long to pick those bones clean. And I mean, yeah. oftentimes, you know... They don't just leave the remains. They'll scatter the bones, too. Yeah. I mean, because they're going to take it somewhere. Multiple parties are going to come in and take their own piece. And Yeah. I mean, there's a whole ecosystem out there that could totally destroy a skeleton of Bigfoot. Not to mention, we don't know how long a Bigfoot can live. Like, how long does a, a whale live? good question isn't it a long time or like sea turtles or oh i think sea turtles are like hundreds of years old yeah i mean we're kind of trapped into this thought process of 72 years old is the average lifespan of humans but it dropped dude after oh yeah COVID. I of course I, on the npr yesterday they were talking about that oh sure national propaganda radio <laughs> all right next question has man really walked on the moon No way! <gasps> Maybe. You are wearing your... I'm, I'm wearing nasty here. I think there was a strong push to spin the narrative. And when I say spin, I don't mean like spin a top. I mean spin a thread or spin a quilt. A yarn? Together. Yeah. Um, that 
America was superior. You know, we had the whole space race. We needed a celebration. I find it weird that the moon landing was somehow live televised. Um, how did we have that technology back then? Um, it just seems odd to me that we somehow had that technology, but if you have lived in the country at all and experienced satellite internet, what the fuck? Like, that shit sucks. And this is, uh, what, 1969 that we supposedly landed on? I think so, yeah. The iPhone in your pocket is like a hundred times more superior to the technology that they had on spacecraft. Right. You just think about even in the 90s, how basic computers were and, you know, dial up internet, uh, you know, hardly any storage space. And they were sending video and audio through space from the moon. They set up a satellite and then what? broadcasted it to the satellites around earth and then down to earth um i don't know the whole thing just seems a little weird i hadn't quite accepted the possibility that we didn't land on the moon until a few years ago um part of it was like i didn't even put any thought into it you take for granted that these uh, educational institutions would ever not tell you the truth right so I just realized I didn't answer the, the big walk, the oh, big question. Big I'm going to say maybe. Okay. Um, for have we walked on the moon? I'm kind of like a black and white kind of guy when it comes to the moon. I think we're either fucking occupying the moon with several bases or we've never been at all. Right. I mean, if there's we went once, dark side of the moon yeah. that we don't know anything about. And I mean, also, you talked, you listen to these guys' interviews and these, these astronauts, man. They say the weirdest fucking shit. They also are very uh, guarded or um, defensive even. Yes, yes, very much. Which one was it that like decked out a reporter? Oh yeah, that was uh, Armstrong. Was it Armstrong? I'm pretty sure. Which is kind of ironic. His name's Armstrong and he Armstrong this dude with a punch of the face. I was thinking it him. wasn't him, but you're probably right. I'm you, pretty sure. If you had that thought, I bet you you're right. I, I just watched a little segment with him okay. the other night so it's kind of fresh in my head um, and he was very defensive and wouldn't swear on the bible that he landed on the moon who gives a fuck about the bible if you're like actually landing on the moon i think that your religious beliefs should... well if you actually landed on the moon you would think that you would be a little bit more confident and like get the fuck out of here of course i landed on the moon it's almost like reverse psychology though like if they mm. had these guys come back and it was it was legit. Yeah. Would they? I just want to be straightforward with this about it. Conspiracy candy is a term I'm going to use a little bit throughout these episodes. And to me, a conspiracy candy is something that the intelligence agencies do actively engage in, and it's where they basically just muddy the waters. Like, oh, here's us. the here's the truth, and it's pretty outrageous. But here's a bunch of other shit that we're going to surround it. So, right, fun. Yeah. It's like uh, getting junk mail. Exactly. And having to wade through all of it to see. Maybe we should call it true. conspiracy spam instead. Oh, yeah. All right. Next one. Are we just one of infinite parallel universes? Multiverses, I should I say. strongly believe that. I do as well. 
and I'm um, sure we'll have episodes talking about all these things. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of it, and that's probably why I'm so attached to it. Um, it just sounds right. I don't know. I feel like I experienced it on uh, psychedelics. Yeah, I remember you sharing that experience. Yeah, I'll tell that, that story at some point. It'll take a little bit of time. We're not going to get to it today. Yeah. And this one I've already answered. So, do you believe in ghosts? Um, I believe that there is some sort of paranormal. I don't know if they're ghosts per se. I don't know how to classify them. I haven't had any experiences like you've had. Um, but uh, in my family, there's a house where some other family members have experienced a ghost in that house. It would now be my ex-brother-in-law's house. Okay, so your sister? Yeah, so my sister's, well, it was his uh, grandpa's house. And it's an old house, and uh, there's just been some strange experiences that they've had there. But, you know, I was a fan of the Ouija board. You and, satanic uh, motherfucker. Dude, I thought it was cool. I don't know. I mean... Do you think that you have anything writing on you right now that happened then? A lot um, of people feel like, you know, they... They bring them they with channel them. something out when they fuck around with that kind of stuff. I don't know how I feel about it. I've never personally fucked with a Ouija board. Not because I don't want to. It's just like I've never been to a strip club. Right. Not because I don't want to. It's just never happened. You know, okay, so I can't remember who told me this story. Um, but when they were younger, they played with the Ouija board, got super freaked out. I can't remember if they buried it or burned it. <laughs> Nice. And then the fucking thing showed up on their front porch. Oh, wow. This sounds like a Twilight Zone episode or something. So, maybe. What if somebody was watching them? Right. Burned this thing. Like, man, wouldn't that be funny if I just got right. a Ouija board and put. <laughs> I mean, it could have been somebody else who was in the group with them right. or something like or that. Or maybe it really happened. Maybe. I mean, who the fuck knows? Yeah, I don't know. Is time travel possible? This is what makes time travel possible. The flux capacitor. Hmm. I don't really know what time is. So, possibly. Um, maybe eventually. Uh, well, eventually would mean that it does exist. Does exist. Because people right. could come back to us in the future. Right. You know who John Teeter, Titor, Teeter? It's T-I-T-O-R. <laughs> this is a guy that showed up in the, like... God, I want to say it was the late 90s, early 2000s. I could be wrong about that, but he was making posts back when the internet was in its infant phases. And like, I am John Teeter. And I actually listened to an episode of uh, Coast to Coast AM where they just went off on this guy. And it's compelling. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing is he was coming back from like a, an apocalyptic scenario where he needed a certain hard drive. And to me, it just kind of negates the whole thing because he was like ahead of where we are now, right. and he needed a hard drive from back then. Yeah, when because everything has changed to like jumpstart society. Back. But anyway, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you because we're talking about earlier parallel multiverses and then traveling through time. What's a timeline really? Like, I was told by the the person who could read auras that t 
time is more of a spinning, uh, almost like a, a never-ending spiral. And so was Rust Cole wrong? Time's a flat circle. It kind of, it was kind of similar to that, honestly, um, because she sh- kind of put the th- idea that you're spiraling around, and you can come some, you can sometimes get vibrations or feelings um, across those spirals. So you can kind of get close to um, that spiral and like kind of almost jump or feel that uh, the past or the present. And I mean, time is a weird thing. Just the way that we perceive it, the way our memories are constructed so that every year time feels like it's going faster. Um, My grandma always told me like, just you wait, it just goes faster. And I always thought that was so fucking weird. Uh, Yeah, that also has a lot to do with uh, like brain function and Mm -hmm. how, you know what memory dumping is? Sounds familiar. So like you you do the same drive every day. And if this drive is uneventful, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're just from point A to point B and you don't remember the drive at all. Now, if like a fucking deer and out in the middle of the road and you almost hit it, you would remember that because that variates from the The normal. So, yeah, I think that as we get older, just like the hard drive space gets a little cluttered. So our our brain somehow knows to selectively just like get rid of it. I mean, I don't know if this is a prevailing theory in psychology or like neuroscience, but I remember learning about that because it was happening to my mom and we all thought she was getting fucking Alzheimer's or something. And so then when I heard about this, it's like, oh, she's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're both for a maybe, I guess, on the the time travel. travel. All right. Next. Did one lone gunman assassinate JFK? No. It's a big fucking no for me too. And we'll have an episode on that, I'm sure. Are there shadow agencies or a deep state running things? I don't know about running, but influencing and maybe running particular events. I would say 100%. Yeah, same here. I kind of dumped that when I told you I kind of got out of conspiracy theories because that's pretty that's dark a dark thought. thing to think about. Yeah, for sure. If that's something that's always on your mind, you're going to become like Mel Gibson. The whole Vietnam War was fought over a bent. Howard Hughes lost to Aristotle Onassis. If that's true, the only thing that I can do is amass massive amounts of wealth <laughs> slash power, because that's what wealth is. That's what money is. It's like units of power uh, in this game, I believe, anyways. Uh, and stack the deck in, in our favor and push them out somehow with money and power and influence that's the only way i can see that being possible in this world that we're living now in this capitalistic society where money does make the world go round yeah and it's kind of scary to think like uh the whole covid thing kind of showed us it doesn't take something very monumental to just put a pause on the whole you know, financial system, and it could end overnight. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a Bitcoin guy, and uh, I don't understand it at all. So, 
We're coming from different angles here because I think that money is an illusion unless it's backed by something physical. So I think money is whatever you want to believe it is. And so as long as you have enough people believing yes. that this green system. Yeah. Or that my card sliding and these numbers going through the computer system is real. Um, as long as we are continuing to earn money with time, I think that's where a large portion of that belief comes from for the working class is we believe in this system because we trade time for money. Um, so we kind of have to believe in it or what the fuck is this all for? Exactly. Um, but the irony is, is once you get to big money, uh, big money, big money, Ironically, my email back in middle school was big money two four nine. Um, <laughs> I had big dreams. Uh, yeah, so when you get to big money, where you could spend a thousand dollars a day for the rest of eternity, three hundred years, uh, that's a billion dollars. If you had a billion dollars, you can spend a thousand dollars a day for, or is it more than that? Basically, Probably multiple like, lifetimes. I was going to say, it would, you would never be able to do it in your it life. It would be hard to do. Um, I could spend that in a day, though. Oh, sure. If I had to. Yeah. Um, but that kind of money, you don't get that by trading time for money. You get it from stealing. Um, see, I'm going to be... See, this is where the socialists... Right, in, like, right. Whereas if you're a billionaire, you've obviously fucked people over is the consensus. That's the their idea. Uh, Whereas my idea is that you've created enough value in the world. So I was kind of brought up with the idea of Jim Rohn would say, you got to provide more value. Yeah, my stepdad used to listen to him a little bit. I went deep into him when I was in my pyramid scheme days. Um, But I, you know, it made sense to me. Uh, If you provide a value, somebody will pay you for it. It doesn't matter if it's dollar bills, food, water, shelter. If you provide enough value to somebody, they're going to reward you for it. It could even be sex if you're in a relationship or love or, you know, whatever you put energy into, I believe. Are you you talking about like a transactional romantic relationship? I mean, plenty of people have those, right? I think if both parties are willing, that's the only way to go. I mean, uh, in any relationship, there's a give and take and, you know, you kind of feed the pot of the relationship together you uh feed each other um there's always some sort of transaction going on i don't think this plane this existence works without some sort of transaction just like the sun provides us with light uh in order for us to grow our food uh without that transaction we but what do we anything. what do we ever give to the sun though um you know that's why it's Jesus. It, it gives <laughs> without any. Were, did we did. Were we recording when we talked no, about? No, I didn't think that'll so. be another episode. Yeah. Uh, getting kind of off on the deep end there. All right. Well, we'll ask the next question then. Did dinosaurs exist in the way we were told? Hmm. Hmm. 
I haven't thought about that in a while. Have um, you ever gone down that rabbit hole, though? No. I used to think people were retarded if they thought dinosaurs didn't exist. I could probably buy that. Um, I You always, could buy that people are retarded? or I could buy the thought that you had there. Okay. Yeah. You can still buy it? or um, I mean, I could buy anything, right? Give me enough convincing. It's so hard to say. It does seem like they keep going back and forth of what dinosaurs look like. Yeah, they have feathers now. Yeah. Um, you know, I always found lizards and snakes fascinating, and they're supposed to be like a descendant well, look of dinosaurs. At chickens, chickens are crazy. One of the theories that I've heard before is that uh, when the dinosaurs were around, in theory, uh, there was so much CO2 in the atmosphere. And if you know anything about growing plants or weed... Plants or weed? All plants. <laughs> Sorry. I no, just no, thought that was funny. Uh, so all plants use CO2 to grow. And how perfect is that? They put off oxygen. We put off CO2. Um, but in the beginning of the Earth, in theory, at one point, maybe at another point soon, the CO2 was so high that the vegetation and therefore the animals... So everything was a large because of the high concentrations of CO2. Things were just giant because yeah, they like, were uptaking were, everything. Did they say like a dragonfly was like the size of a baseball bat? And like the bug, like I think I've seen those fossils where like a, a beetle is like a, you know, fitted on like a pizza tray. No thanks. It's huge. Yeah, I mean, if bugs were big, we'd be fucked. Yeah. I mean, there's no way we could compete with that. I mean, we would be little scavengers, which maybe we were at one point. So the thing that gets me, dude, is, and I I don't think this is exactly hidden. It's just not out on display in the open, but you can realize it if you just look into it a little bit. But uh, when you go to a museum, like yeah. paleontology shit, you see the skeleton of a T-Rex. There might just be one bone in there that they found, and then they right. replicate the rest of the animal about how they thought it looked. Like, have they ever actually found an entire fossilized velociraptor or stegosaurus? Like, I don't know. See, this is this is an episode, and I I didn't put it on our list, but that'll be one. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard some. It's kind of like the flat Earth people. Like, they go into it trying to disprove the dumbasses, and then right. they become the dumbass. Right. Like, oh. I wanted to prove that dinosaurs existed, and I found out that there's not a lot of evidence for it. Scary stuff. Let's hurry up, because i got to take a piss. Do, cre- do you want to just pause it? No, we're almost okay. there. Do creatures such as fairies, elves, and gnomes exist? I think possibly. I'm kind of there, too. Yeah. It's like uh, maybe uh, like interdimensional travel exactly. or something like that. Yeah, something we can't see. I mean, Psychedelic experiences, like a lot. Of, I mean, and I don't know if like these guys, they're writing fantasy novels back in the early days. Or like, tripping. Yeah. yeah. Did they trip ever before they wrote these books or did they like hear stories? All right. Uh, is there an active program for the cloning of humans? Probably. <laughs> I like when you answer fast. <laughs> <laughs> that means I've thought about it for a minute. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, that question I almost actually took off the list because like I've, I've been listening to some shit 
where like there's these people who believe like every single famous movie star has a clone has a clone or is just the clone is somebody they just created Oh, but, yeah. like, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of evidence for Joe Biden. There's, like, three or four of them out there. Could be. Come on, give me a break, man. Sometimes you get the sleepy one. Sometimes you get the angry one. Sometimes you get the one that wants to fucking sniff kids. All right. Is there... Oh, that was the... Okay. Are we existing within some type of simulation? Possibly. I say yes on that. Whoa. I don't know. I mean, how do we determine what a simulation is? Exactly. Are we talking like a computer generated one or like uh, even like Aristotle, but like Plato and Socrates were talking about this demiurge and it's basically the fucking script for the Matrix when you look into it. Like brains in a vat kind of was a big theory that was like BC times. Yeah. Like these people have been thinking about this for a long time. That's an episode. Sure. All right, we're going to we're going to cut it so Jeremiah can go take a piss. Yeah. And that's the end of our our intro episode. So uh fun things to be, to come further. All right. Well, good job. Yes. Peace.